Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Joe Kelly of the Boston Red Sox here, former guest on the Bradford Show podcast. Joe, of all the people on this planet who you would like to see as a guest on the Bradford Show, who would it be? Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Um, I got a few guys in mind. One that probably won't do it, but I might like to see do it. One would be Tom Brady. Um, a guy that will do it and that should do it is another guy who uh, might be part of the Nesson family. Um, not to say his first or last name, Tom Karen, uh, you know, TC. Um, I'd like for him to step up. He talks a big game. I'd like to see him on the show. Today's your lucky day. Overlooking the great game of baseball, along with the man, every time I think about the great game of baseball, I think of him. Tom Karen of the New England Sports Network. Tom, how are you? I'm great. This is special because, you know, when I think of baseball, I think of you. So we could just sit here and think about each other. <laughs> I want to talk about a few things with you, Tom, TC. Wait, by the way, do you like calling Tom, be called Tom or TC? I don't, here's my thing with nicknames. I don't like calling people by their nicknames. I don't know if you've picked that up. I don't like that. And a lot of, and it goes back to going in a clubhouse and reporters saying, to this guy or that guy, their nicknames. No, you know, I don't know you well. I know you, but still, I have a, sort of a hard time saying nicknames. What, what's your take on that? Right, a couple things I want to get to here. First of all, can I call you Brad Foe? Is that a nickname? Yeah, you can call me anything you want. R. Farnsworth Bradford, Brad Foe, Robbie, anything you want. Robbie, I like my son's name. Would you go I.E. or Y? I.E. If I go in the town of Essex, I am still known as Robbie with an I.E. Uh, again, uh, but this is a podcast. This is the place for tangential stories that really you'll never tell anywhere else. But the day I can tell you this right now, Robbie Fatorik, uh, one of the greatest high school skaters ever and uh, one of the greatest high school hockey players in Massachusetts history, was fired by the New Jersey Devils on March 23rd, 2000. That's my institutional knowledge of hockey. It's also uh, the reason I know this is because it was the day my son, Robbie, was born. And we were sitting there after he was born 
and they were right you know they write the card on the what do you call that the bassinet or whatever it is they put them in in the nursery the little yeah where they switch the babies yeah like the aquarium you know it's a little glass box they put them in and uh the woman came in the nurse came in and said uh we're putting his name on it what's his name we said robbie she goes i.e or why and we had never thought of that and Literally, as we're saying this, ESPN's on in our room, and it says Robbie Fatorik has been fired by the Devils, and it's R-O-B-B-I-E. So I said, well, that, that must be how you spell it. So I know Robbie Fatorik was fired the day my son Robbie was born. That is the best story on the Bradford Show since Carlos Quinton told me how he lost 40 pounds. How did uh, he lose 40 pounds? It was basically he, he had a very um, uh, extravagant method of doing it, which came down to just eating half the amount of stuff that you would in a lot of fat. That's what uh, Jerry Remy did two winters ago to lose all his weight. He just portions in half, threw out, throws away, goes to a restaurant, like gets rid of half of what's on his plate. That's basically, that's now I understand. Someone on Twitter said that, that he did the Jerry Remy diet. Because I had said, well, this is great. You, you lost 40 pounds. You're trying to make a baseball team. I'm like, all right, well, I'll go to Leroy Selman's. Instead of 12 wings, I'll eat six. I'll be on the Red Sox before you know it. My problem is when I go out with someone like that, I eat the half portion they push aside as well as my full portion. But back to the nicknames. Uh, You know, I once got yelled at by a a producer manager at Nesson during a Beanpot broadcast because... We had gone through this quick, like, around the horn thing, and everybody was calling everybody by the nickname. TC, Beersy? Hey, Brick, Brick, let's go back down to Beersy. Beersy. Uh, you know, K-Tap, because Catherine was, you know, it just, it was like six consecutive nicknames. And I get this text, call me during the commercial, and he's like, listen, this is like a frat house party. You need to start calling each other by names. Why? I think that's good, though. I, I, I'm, I'm talking about just in, in social, everyday settings, when I'm mingling with a riffraff, that that I, I have a hard time. I, I do have a hard time calling people by their nickname. So when I was a kid, everybody, my, my high school soccer coach was the first guy to start calling me TC. And we were old enough to remember Top Cat and the cartoon. He was TC, had TC on his trash can where we lived. Uh, and, and so he had to call me Top Cat because he called me TC. And though throughout high school, everybody called me TC. I mean, everybody called me TC. So when I started doing television in, in Portland, Maine originally, and... People would yell, hey, Tom, hey, Tom, hey, Tom, and someone would yell, hey, TC. I would know that it was a friend or someone from home, you know. And then I got here, and it was, it was Remy, Jerry Remy, who called me TC on the air, and it just sort of caught, and, and yeah, it was 20 years ago. And, and so everybody calls me TC now, and I have no, you know, now people get my attention by yelling my wife's name or something, people I know. Uh, but does it feel weird, like, if I say Tom? Like, would I, hey, Tom, because I think I've... I do that more than I say TC. You do, and I like it. It's kind of formal. I think we have a special relationship, and I think that that goes through. My my, my siblings call me Tommy, which I despise. I hate being called call Tommy. I always have. So you've got that now in your hip pocket, and all your listeners have that. They really want to get under my skin. You call me Tommy, which is why, not IE, unlike Robbie Fatorik. I feel like I needed to separate, separate myself when it came to our relationship, so I'm glad we did that. And I... I'll tell this quick, uh, as long as we're on nickname stories. Um, this is going to disgust everyone, but I don't care. When I was growing up, it was um, my last name's Bradford. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, Brad Foe yeah. to some of us. Yeah, my, my father's thrilled that we cut off a few letters. And so, but, so it, 
That would sound like a, like an Ellis Island story. You know what I mean? Like your great grandfather was coming over from the old country, and they just said, "Yeah, you're going to be Brad Foe. We don't have enough room on this line." Honest to God, truth. My I think my dad was sort of pissed that I, everyone was calling me Brad Foe until I gave him a T-shirt with Brad Foe on it. It was a free T-shirt. <laughs> Anyways. Speaking of stories, when I got the job at Nesson, you remember we used to be a pay cable uh, service. It was like 15 bucks a month. When I called my father, I was living in Maine. My father was in Maine, diehard Red Sox fan. Called him to tell him the exciting news that I had gotten a job at Nesson. And the first thing he said was, isn't that like 15 bucks a month? Like he just wasn't excited about paying to watch his son on TV. <laughs> I'll see if I can get you a deal. I don't know. Yeah, well, they, they, now look at look, look at the power that you wield at that organization. But the, the nickname story is, I think, in elementary school that Bradford went to Buford. No, went to Beeford, went to Buford, and then Buford somehow became Pusser. So my nickname for two years in school was Pusser. Can you you know why? You have of that age. Yeah, I'm worried. Why? Buford T. Pusser. Okay, that's what I thought it was going to be some gross pus No, but that's usually uh, 99% of the people, when I, they shouted, hey, Pusser, you know, this, and talk about my parents cringing. Yeah, but Buford T. Pusser, that's kind of, that's. No one was yelling Buford T. Pusser. They were just yelling Pusser. So, so anyway, uh, let's, let's get to the meat and potatoes. You're, you're, as we see here right now, overlooking the fine fields at uh, JetBlue Park. Uh, risking our life and limb in, in batting practice, sitting in the stands. You're about to do a, ra- a Red Sox radio broadcast with Tim Neverett today. Tim Neverett, right? I am, yes. Finally, I've, uh, I got to do one Friday with Joe Castiglione's, the first Red Sox radio game I'd ever done, and it was very exciting. I- I've learned you have to call every pitch, which I wasn't aware of. On TV. Oh, so, oh, wait, 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 wait. So let's, let's back up. So one of the things that the inside radio thinks know about doing, especially with Joe, is you have to let, him call the pitch. We've had high-level general managers, high-level uh, dignitaries come on who will never be on that broadcast again because they talk through the pitch. Did you learn that the hard way? Did you actually talk through the pitches? I did talk through pitches a couple of times in a story, and you know, Joe's the king of painting the mental pictures, so he was able to immediately say that here's the pitch and it's a ball, even though the pitcher already had the ball back after his execution of the pitch. Uh, but I did learn uh, because he kind of you know, we're in wheelchairs, and he kind of lunged over towards me to get me to stop talking because it was time to call the pitch. Oh, you can feel it. You can feel the tension the uh, coming out of his ears. When we were the other day, it was uh, – who was it? I think it was Gus Quattlebaum, the pro scouting director. And it was – oh, my goodness. It was very, very awkward. Then Gus figured it out, and he figured it out. That's why he loved Mike Hazen. Mike Hazen was a pro. And we've talked about this. We had, um, we've had on two GMs, the Phillies GM, the Twins GM, and – I think Joe likes them for two reasons. Number one, they're from Massachusetts and grew up listening to Joe. And and most importantly, they didn't talk through the pitches. Well, the great ones figure it out. You know, the great ones like a Mike Hayes and no one to lay out and get the pitch. They get invited back more often. That's the kid. Believe me, he had a run because he didn't talk through the pitches. Anyway, so you do the radio. You did the first radio the other day, as you said. Um, And you've been doing the TV expertly down here. Now... Before you did the TV filling in down here for spring training, I remember that you and I shared a broadcast of our television. One of the greatest ideas ever in the medium, which was breaking it up three innings at a time. And it was me, you, and Mike Salk with Jim Rice and Don Ursillo. Was that the, the other time that you had done the Red Sox radio? Yeah. I'm sorry, the Red Sox TV. 
Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, prior to last year. Last year here at spring training, I did about half the games. Dave O'Brien obviously does a lot of college basketball this time of year. And I also did one regular season game last year. Uh, it was, a, I believe, a Monday night game. His daughter's graduated from college, and he wasn't going to get back. But this was, what I'm talking about was 2013. Yeah, this is what, what he did was the championship season. Yeah. Uh, I think we should point that out. Uh, and, yeah, we all rotated through uh, whatever happened to Mike Salk. I don't know. I, and I'm trying to remember who got which three innings. So, what, what, did you get the final three? No, I think I was first. You were first. That's right. I got the, I got the starters. I got the big league lineup. I, was, I think I was second. And by then, Jim Rice just realized this was just such a bad idea. He, he, was, he was not engaged. I'm trying, trying to, to give all kinds of great information about Carl Crawford playing left field. He's like, yeah, no, yes, anyone can play left field. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I've made the mistake of telling Jim Rice that anyone can play left field at Fenway. That doesn't go over real well with him. No, that was the, that was the uh, when I was talking about the approach, about having the disciplined approach. And it's like, when I played, nobody walked by the mailman. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you don't walk out of South Carolina where he grew up. I think that's the old saying, isn't it? But you know, so so it's it's listen. It's a great experience in in terms of I did I think about seven of those games. I don't even uh, maybe seven and a third. Like, did you do some uh, way back when we when when Don Orsillo had like thirty something different analysts? Yeah, yeah. So I did one game in 2012. I did Will Middlebrooks. Um, debut when I said when he stole a base, I remember saying this kid can do it all, and um, and, and then and, and, and you know the thing was Tom, Tom, Tommy's Tommy, the thing the thing is is that when I did that game, I I was obviously 2012. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just thrilled to do it. And when they said this is what you're going to be making after the game, I was like, you're going to pay me to do this. This is awesome. But it was it was I. I just was talking and just because I guess like I, you're paying me to talk and that is definitely not how you do it on TV. No, it's how you do it in a podcast. See, you didn't realize that you know, the Buford T. Busser podcast hadn't even launched off the ground yet. But so when when you were so did you feel that when you talk, do TV, you do the TV, do the, do the radio. Tell me a little bit about the differences that you have gleaned. I have, well, I've gleaned uh, that you have to talk more on radio. You can't just sort of sit there for three pitches like we tend to do in TV, you know, doing the doing the globe crossword as uh, he throws a couple pitches. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's set. It's constantly resetting on radio the the setting, right? The the, the balls, the strikes, what's the count, what's the score. Which, according to Twitter, I didn't do nearly enough last Friday. Uh, don't let it. Don't do that. Don't. That's the old egg timer, and I know nobody remembers what an egg timer is. So now maybe I should use my iPhone stopwatch, and every three minutes. That seems about right. Using an egg timer when you're on AM radio. <laughs> yeah, I think AM radio is going to come back. See, I think you guys are way ahead on. I think you're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so anyway, you, so you talk about the rhythm and, and that you got to talk more when you're on the radio. Yeah, you do. You need to. Uh, I mean, you can tell the story. Uh, but it's the old kind of Vin Scully. You don't want to get too carried away with the story because here's the pitch. and there, yeah. But I didn't I, – I guess I'm going to break the mold because I can honestly say I didn't say every pitch. Unlike Castiglione, I talked right through a couple pitches because you don't need to know if it's a ball outside, do you? No, no. People scoring at home, and I don't think anybody scores at home anymore, which is a whole other thing. Buy 20 bucks, get the MLB at bat uh, game cast. You'll be all set. But – are you charting the pitches? I mean, you really need to know that, you know, I'll tell you if he, it's like hockey. I mean, I do a lot of hockey and you might, 
not talk about them bringing it up the ice. When there's a shot on net, I'm going to get into it, all right? So when they hit the ball and something's going on, I'm going to tell you what's going on. So do you think do you think that it's changed? And we can lump the TV and the radio together. Do you think it's changed in that respect? A lot of people think, I think, because of tension span, because the USA Today first, now Twitter, what it has done to our minds, that that people don't have the attention spans so you have to it becomes an entertainment thing more than an information thing totally and i think it is because all the kids are reading usa today i think you absolutely nailed that i think i think the short attention span that second screen which is the usa today newspaper that a lot of kids are reading all the kids are coming out of their motel rooms reading usa today they're killing the attention span i read usa today every day for six weeks every spring and then i never see it again my point is is that before before Twitter, that's what ruined our minds. Ah, Twitter, there we go. That's a little more up-to-date. Yeah, Thank you. Okay. Uh, but this, this is what it's become. It has to be more entertaining. Totally. You have to have entertainment. And, again, we have the advantage on TV uh, of you can see the play. Uh, but there's the second screen. Everybody's looking at the game cast. Everybody's looking at Twitter. Everybody's seeing what's happening on TV. You might not even be watching our game per se, but you might have it on the secondary channel rolling on the DVR. Twitter tells you that Pablo just hit a three-run home run. You're going to switch. You're going to roll back. You're going to look at it. That's how the game is played today. If you want to keep their attention, you, you know, you got to have that fine line between uh, giving you the information of the game but keeping it entertaining, making it fun. And I think radio is the same way. I really do. I think you got – I mean, yesterday – what was the game time yesterday? Three hours? Two, two straight three-and-a-half-hour games. Three-and-a-half-hour game. Over the course of nine innings yesterday, Steve Lyons and I talked about how to properly skip rocks, whether you can do it in the ocean. Mechanical pencils versus traditional pencils and the need for a pencil sharpener uh, and, and Liverpool's chances of finishing in the top four in the Premier League. There you go. That's, I mean, just like Vince Scully. But, but I remember when I was doing those, when I was doing those games back in the rotating people uh, era in 2013, I remember doing it with Orsillo, and I loved it. I mean, it was, it was so cool. It was so great because it was, you were just having fun. And I remember we got into one of those laughing fits, where, which I, I take great pride of. It's like basically I put this, if I could put an a, a audio file on a wall, this is what it would be. It would be the, 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 the laughing fit that I had with Osillo. And the next day I go up to him and I apologize. I said, sorry, I, I, I got a little silly there. And he said, no, nobody's ever going to remember a broadcast for my information. It's going to be remembered for that. No one's ever going to remember my broadcast for information because I give very little of it. And if you remember, you know, going way back in time, 02 and 03, I was the sideline reporter. Uh, and I'm proud to say I never was linked with a player over my uh, two years of being a sideline reporter. Now, you guys got into that once on, on one of the morning shows. One, one of you, I don't know if it was your morning show, but one of the talk shows on EEI. It was the morning show, and they were just... They were, linked, they were linking people up? Yeah, well, they were just talking about sideline reporters around the industry and how many of them are, are, are very pretty. Uh, Eric Freed was such a slut. Well, and they did the crossover at the end with Lou Merloni, and, and, and one of them was like, somebody said... You know, Lou, I mean, isn't that the case? And, and Lou says, listen, when I played our sideline reporter was TC, all right? You know, I thought that was very hurtful. I thought there was no reason for him to bring it up like that. Uh, but, I, you know, to your point, 
When I was on the sideline, if you remember, I used to go in the crowd and find fans. EEI did a whole bit about missing dramatic home runs while I was talking to some grandmother from New Bedford. Uh, but, it, you know, it was part of the entertainment. And I know it's a fine line. You don't, you know, 2-2 two, two in the seventh inning, you don't need me talking to some guy who's wearing a Remdog shirt that I found in Baltimore. Uh, but, but you can have fun as the sideline reporter and, and create those sort of moments that you throw it back and then you follow up. And, and, and I think we've done a pretty good job with that over the years on Nesson. How much has it changed even in the last few years? We've, a lot of the topic of conversation we've had down here is about the industry. Uh, it's changing. Comcast is changing in terms of how they approach at, even when they're going up against the game. They're saying we're going to react to it. We're going to give opinion. We don't have the game, so this is how we're going to do it. But how has the entire sort of genre changed when it comes to it has to be opinion it has to be entertainment over what we're talking about with information well you see it on espn every day right i mean and that's where everything is gone what i like is the fact that we generally have games uh it's why i got into this business uh, not that i don't have opinions and i'm more than willing to share them I, i'd love to give you my opinion on the brad foe show uh yes yes it's great five stars uh liar okay well i'm on your show right now i'm gonna be nice but I like doing games, you know, and between the Red Sox and Bruins, you want to throw some of our college stuff in, you know, 280, 290 nights a year, we've got a game on Nesson. We don't have two guys yelling at each other and, and, and trying to rip each other apart on their opinions. The business has gone that way, and if you ask people around the industry, the regional networks that have gone that way are the ones that don't have a lot of game broadcasts over 365 days. You've got to do something to get attention on your network, and that's a great way to do it outside of having a game. 150 nights a year from April through October, we have the benefit of having the games, and and, and that's why I like being at Nesson. That's why I like what Nesson does. Well, a big part of what you do at Nesson is the pregame show, too, which you're able to gaze into my eyes every once in a while across the desk. So I've always wondered, and this is sort of balancing the fine line, so when I go on there, and and you're doing and I I got to be honest with you Thomas that that it is it does impress me so much like how you are able to bounce around to things and segues and everything else this is all shit that I couldn't do so yeah this is a podcast isn't it yeah I'd say one swear a podcast. <laughs> It's contractually obligated. Keep it relevant. Uh, you get the kids to put down USA Today and listen. <laughs> Keep it spicy. I heard that's what you're supposed to do. Um, so, but so you keep it moving. You're bobbing and weaving throughout throughout the pregame. And, and believe me, I, I know that you have obstacles with things that aren't scripted, things that don't happen. So when I'm on or when anybody's on, do you like it when it gets? Um, do you like it when it gets conversational? Do you like it when it gets silly? Do you like or or is, is it disconcerting because you you don't can't get too far off topic? No, we can get off topic. They really, I mean, they've learned not to try to tell me what to say. Uh, I've learned not to do a podcast with a leaf blower in the background, but apparently you haven't. Yeah, that's a strong mic. Uh, the uh, <laughs> is it? Uh, yes. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I like silliness. I like going off topic. I, what I like about our show, what I really love about our show, uh, is is you know, what's the saying? Get you a man who can do both. I mean, we, we can do both. You know what I mean? We, I mean, I think you've seen, you know, at our best coming on after, uh, 
uh, you know, after the Wade Miley incident in Baltimore with John Farrow, where we spent a whole show ripping into what just happened. Or we came on, you know, right after the Michael Pineda Pine Tar game, and it was one of our great shows. I love moments like that where you have very little time. I love walk-offs. I love blown saves on either side because that's when you throw a whole show out the window and you're just reacting in the moment. It's also a long season. You know what I mean? So there are times that I, I think you get silly, and it's perfectly fine. I wish you could see when you're on the show from a remote location, right? We do that split screen, and, I, you know, Rob, uh, and, and you take it, you know, in Chicago. I'm I learned, By the way, I, I, I don't know if this is right. I've tried to figure this out. But when you say, thanks, Rob, for all the information, I just give the head, head nod because you don't want to talk over the person. Right? right, and you're the only one who gets that. And everybody else uh, replies to my, you know, thanks, Rob, and uh, thank you. And by then, I'm already, like, coming up next, you know, and, and so it's really... If I was wearing a hat, I would b- literally tip my hat to you instead of responding. The problem is, when you come on, I forget that you get that. And, and so quite often I, stu- I still do that awkward pause waiting for you to reply. And it's just not, you know, it's a second and a half of you just staring at the camera. And it's this really, like, awkward moment at a party where nobody knows what's going on. Okay, coming up next. So, uh, you know, but, but what happens a lot of times uh, is while you're talking, you know, I'm, I'm ordering dinner. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm getting the menu from Jim Rice and saying, yeah, let's get Pad Thai tonight. And then you abruptly stop, and I have no idea what you just said. Uh, so that's why a lot of times it's an abrupt change in the question. It doesn't play off what you just said at all. You know, you, know, you might say, like, you know, like that time he lost his leg and stop. And I'll say, okay, well, Price is going to be on the mound tomorrow uh, because I, I don't know. I didn't hear you. I go, right, Tom? Right, Tom? You have a good story about that, Tom, right? Yeah, you know, the pad tie looks really good tonight. We haven't had it in a while. It's So in terms of when we go into this new year, um, assuming that I'm not going to get fired for saying a naughty word on this podcast with, with a member of Nesson, um, what would you say, what would you say I, that, that we have to do? That what, what what would make that that segment good? Tell me, because honestly, it's you're, it's the same thing when it went on the broadcast, and I like the fact that they didn't tell me what to do because it would have got in my head. But what is the, what are the keys in terms of that pregame show to making it good? I mean, I know Jim's going to do his thing, Wade's going to do his thing, X going to do his thing, Lions is going to do his thing. But what do you, what for someone like me who goes on, what would make it good? Well, people like lists. That's what USA Today has done for so many years to stay so popular. So I think if you could just sort of randomly throw lists in there, like, you know, if I said, you know, joining us today from Kansas City, and you just, even though I asked you about what the expectations are for Stephen Wright tonight, uh, you just wanted a list of the three best rib places you found in Kansas City. I take it next level because I am all about the kids. Uh, I could either, for every time I go on, I will either have a hashtag for you or an emoji. I would like that. No, let's do that this year. All right. You, All right. We come up with a hashtag. What is the hashtag of the day? That'll be the fi- uh, final question. And because as an expert interviewer, what I've learned is uh, is that you always finish off with the light moment. Jerry Remy walking by, by the way, uh, at the moment. This is the Rob Bradford podca- podcast, Jerry. Yeah, I'm sure. You, are you a podcast guy? Yeah. I, I, I like how he says this is a documentary. I wish it was a documentary. 
they're doing a documentary on Rob Bradford. Uh, it's kind of a thirty for thirty. It's, it's, it's the Bradford Show documentary, which the 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 most the, the darkest days was when I did the uh, the Clay Buckholz podcast a couple of weeks ago. That will be known as the when when things took a turn for the worse. I didn't hear it yet. Yet it was boring. Yeah, he was kind of down that day. I, I went and saw him, and uh, you know the whole the, the bad days outweighed the good days. Yeah, it was one of these things when I'm doing it, I kind of think it's it's it was better than it was. And then I'm listening back. I'm like, oh no, not happening. So, no, in fact, this wasn't good. Uh, but back to the hashtag. So, uh, what I like to do is I like to start with the hard hitting information coming swinging. And, and as you may have noticed, especially towards the end when I've finished my order for dinner, I like to throw in sort of the lighthearted questions so we can chuckle our way to the break. Yeah. So maybe we'll end with uh, what's today's hashtag. I like when you say as always. When you say great information as always. Yeah. Well, I, I don't always say it. That's what you'll notice sometimes. Yeah. No, uh, what's the word? There's something I say. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Jerry Remy calls me out on it. There's something I say. It's like great stuff. Great stuff. When I say great stuff, uh, I've really been impressed. And I don't say it all the time. So I feel like great stuff is our pad tie order. A great, a, a great stuff is great stuff is like. The great stuff, great stuff as always, is I wasn't paying attention to a word you were saying, and I'm moving on. Yeah, great stuff is our intern has agreed to go to the sushi place, which is a little further than he usually drives for dinner. So I'm happy. Hey, so you talked a little bit about reaction, and react, and I do think that that is the best. I go back to the way Miley game and, and act. I forget what what did he say? What is he on acid? Yes, what is he on? Not not what is he on any other drug, but what is he on acid? Acid. So so anyway, so the reaction is the best. So when they're going through the downtimes, when the Red Sox are going through the down last couple of years, or not last couple of years, but 2014, 2012. Well, maybe the, you know, thing I'm proudest about of the Bobby Valentine season is ratings were obviously down. It was a bad team. By the end of the year, the ratings were very low. Uh, and post-game ratings down. Pre-game ratings were up that year because oh, people man. really wanted to see what was this guy going to oh, say tonight. Man. And then they wouldn't watch the game. Yeah. <laughs> Hear what Bobby Valentine had to say. Who's angry at him? Yeah. Did Pedroia say something about Valentine today? Did Euclid go off? Okay, I'm out. Well, okay, so let's go back to that. When the, the, that day, Patriots Day 2012, when you had Pedroia saying, uh, this is not how do we do things. Maybe this is how they do things in Japan. Euclid ripping Valentine. Everyone's ripping Valentine. Um, as, as, as an entity of the team, of Nesson, the Nesson broadcast, and I guess this is the broad brush in terms of any time there, there's any controversy, the Red Sox are doing bad, is it uncomfortable for you? No. No, because that's when I think we're at our best. I mean, listen, I know the talk shows love to say, oh, they're owned by the team, da da da, da. But, I, you know, ownership at Nesson, or ownership of the Red Sox, top management at Nesson, has never told me what to say and what not to say. And, and if you watch Dennis Eckersley, nobody, Steve Lyons, I mean, nobody's more critical of the team when they deserve uh, criticism. So I, I stand by what we say and what we do. And, you know, we, we, we good times, bad times. I mean, like I said, you know, listen, I go way back. I mean, the, the, the Keith Folk blown saves of 2005 were some of our greatest shows because it was happening right at the, you know, that's when you've planned. I mean, we sit, to give you a little inside scoop on how we do the show, Rob, it's uh, I always divide the game into three uh, three-inning segments, right? First three innings, we're eating dinner, kind of watching the game. Uh, but eating dinner, let the thing play out, you know, more often than not. Again, sometimes things happen early. Michael Pineda has pine tar, but more often than not, 
the games just sort of easing into the rhythm. Middle three games, uh, three innings, we're really starting to focus in now, talking about what this post-game show is going to be about, what's happening in this game. And then last three innings are getting ready to go on the air. Guy blows us. Makeup ap- application. That's eighth inning, you know, bottom of the eighth, two outs. Uh, you know, we have we have the four monitors in the legendary Nesson Green Room. No fish allowed, as you know by now. Uh, that's my rule. Uh, but three other games going on, so it's a great place to watch baseball. Uh, but what happens is you've spent three hours, three and a half, four, four and a half hours, however long the game is, getting ready for this postgame show. And if somebody blows the save in the ninth inning, you are literally throwing the entire show out the window and starting with what happened 90 seconds before you come on the air. And those are the great moments. So to answer your question, I just I like news. I'm old school. I like when news happens. I like when something goes down. There's an announcement right before the pregame show that this guy's scratched and now this guy's going in. Someone's going on the DL. I like a blown save. Good or bad, you know, not too many against the Red Sox because it is – it's better to do, and people say to you, root for him. I grew up a Red Sox fan. We're talking to Red Sox fans, and, and we, we're not homers. But, listen, doing a playoff-bound team uh, pregame and post good for business. It's a lot more, and it's just a lot more enjoyable. Nobody wants to watch a, a dead team playing out the str- string. We've done enough of that the last few years. You know, it's, it's interesting because the, the, how players react to things, and, and, you know, I mean, you've been down here a lot. You've. You, you've certainly been in the clubhouse a lot. Over the course of the season, uh, you don't typically have to travel with a team like, you know, like Alliance does or something and, or the Act does. And we've heard about whether confrontations, the players getting pissed at them. But how players typically, in my experience the last couple of years, how they react to stuff is off of A, Twitter, and B, the pregame and postgame show. Because you know why? It's, in, it's right there in front of them. Right. And and they come in the post-game show. Generally, if they win, the TVs are on. If they lose, the TVs are off. Uh, so they get... It's really whenever we say anything critical after a win that I know we're probably going to hear about it. Um, and there have been... Listen, way back when, uh, 2000 and... Boy, I don't remember. What year did, uh, did Ortiz get off to the really bad start? 2009, 2010. So I guess it was 2009, right? And, and it was one of those perfect storms where, uh, I'll, I'll never forget the ninth inning, uh, Ortiz, I think he did into a double play in the ninth inning, but then Jeremy Hermida hit a wall ball double to win the game in a walk-off. We made the editorial decision to come on the air and begin with the full inning, Ortiz hitting into the double play. Okay, just as part of, but that was the build up the drama of what Hermida did with two outs. Uh, and it was also the day, and we have no control over this, this is not a pregame thing, but it was in the game. Our poll question of the night was what should they do with Mike Lowell? Should he A, play every day, B, you know, and, and overwhelmingly play every day was the call, which was... I voted for play every day. Uh, and that, well, of course you did. Uh, <clears throat> you also voted for the Toronto Blue Jays, and they weren't even a, a choice. You just, you know. Both contractually obligated. The... Um, so, but that was a veiled shot at Ortiz, who was struggling. And, and, you know, people don't remember, that was the birth of Laser Show. Laser Show, Dustin Pedroia said that in the interview about Nesson. Because he looked up, and they were interviewing him, and he said, somebody said something about Ortiz. And they said, why are they all getting on a man? Remember my first year, hit 161 in April. What happened after that? Laser Show. Everybody get off Ortiz's back. Uh, and there was the hue and cry after that, like... 
I had to sit down with Ortiz. We had to talk about what we had done. Uh, you know, I, I Francona. I've been calling Francona's office a half dozen times. Really? Oh, sure. Yeah, they, they watch what we say. And, and usually it's the analyst they're after because he was a former player. They don't, you know, guys like you and me, they kind of don't care what we say to an extent, or so they say publicly. But those have been, you know, we get into that. I mean, Jonathan Papelbon once in the middle of a post-game interview that we're airing, in the middle of it, he had blown a save, and someone says, are you worried about it? And he says, no, I'm not worried about it. Let TC and Eck worry about it. That's their job. I'm like, no, why are you bringing us into it? What are we, you know? So, yeah, it's not always a cozy relationship between us and the players. No, I, I had, uh, was it two years ago? Yeah, it was two years ago because Hanley was playing the outfield, and we did one of the many uh, Hanley montages of in the left field, and I went up to him, and he was, he was basically, so you, you could make that play? I felt like, sort of, yeah, I kind of could. <laughs> so, but, but was, it, was it last year? The Ortiz triple that tied the game or double, and then the, the flower game? That was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and he bunted. You remember he tried to drop the bunt in the ninth inning, I yes. think, and then it didn't work, and then they wanted extras. Uh, and he was really upset because we kind of called him out on that. What do you think? What do you think you're doing, bunting? Why are you bunting? Swing away. Uh, and, you know, he thought he was making a heads-up baseball play. You know, here's a guy who's been criticized over the course of his career for maybe not being engaged enough, and he thought he was being uber engaged by by trying to catch them asleep. And and we're being critical of the post-game show, so he was upset with us. Listen, it's the life you live. It's the life. It's why you get to pay the big bucks. But it is. I mean, it must be of all, all the shows, of all the sports shows. We talk about things that Comcast are doing, things that Nesson are doing, EIA, everything. The pregame and postgame, especially when they're going good for the postgame Red Sox, must get like obscene ratings. Yeah, it, you know, I've been told that you know our, our postgame ratings get better ratings than like twenty three major league teams get for their games. Right, we, we get a bigger audience for a post-game show than, I don't know, Phil and the team gets to watch their nine innings. Uh, so, yeah, and, and, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. I uh, 02, I started as sideline reporter. 04, which was a good year to start as the studio host. Uh, and, and, you know, I've kind of become, you know, literally the anchor of the whole thing, right? We've had different analysts come and go. I think I've built good relationships with all our different a- analysts. It's what makes my job challenging and, and fun is you know an Eck night is very different from from a rice lions combo from a from a wake night you know they're all very different having you on the pregame show is very different from other people uh because very unique because you don't say thanks at the end you just stare into the camera awkward is that true i, I like the, i give the tip of the chapeau to all the people behind the scenes and you are maybe the only guy who's want a chapeau <laughs> on the show if i could i would uh last question because I appreciate your time. We, we've powered through leaf blowers. And How long has this been? It's been just the right amount of time. Um, it feels like yesterday's game. <laughs> uh, it's just two guys sitting around talking. Uh, this is the most conversational podcast I had since uh, we were at Twin Peaks with Joe Kelly and Rick Porcell. And I never got to – got. is that still available? Do they, <laughs> no, is this, no, we get rid of them. <laughs> is it – is it just dissipate? I transcribed it and sent it to USA Today. It said, edit this down. You know, is there a way to do that? Because I'm still old school. If I do prefer reading stuff over listening and watching. I mean, that's really, when we do stuff for the website, it is amazing. I mean, once, I've had where, I've had talk show hosts where they've said, where they've kind of broken stuff and said, oh, wow. And say, hey, we want to put that in print. Ah, no, I don't really want you to do that. Because once it's in print, it's done. Really? 
Yeah, it's the, so a little sheepish. This is good stuff to know. That's the deal. So you want it because people, you can, you know, follow how many people are like, like I'm going to go back and listen to the Twin Peaks later. If it was online, I would have glanced at it well, two weeks no. ago. So you're going to sacrifice, if you do stuff, stuff in print and you just link to an audio file, you're going to sacrifice audio plays. But if, to get traction about something newsy on, on the Internet, to get traction for it, really... It's once it's in print, that's when it gets tracked. So that's when it gets out there. That's when people. It can be three days later, but that's really what it is. And and that's a whole other conversation. The stupid internet. Anyway, um, it's a fad. It's not, baseball kind of thinks TV is a fad. You ever notice that the way that like TV won't catch on? Baseball's made for radio. I mean, I like the fact that you're bringing TV into radio. I feel like. I feel like this is the, the fact that you're doing the radio games. Like, you're doing a little TV and a radio. kind of am. Yeah, I kind of am. Well, it's like, you know, I, it's like Vin Scully. I, I'm very much like. Well, you know what Tim does. Are you doing it with Tim Neverett today? One of the things he does is tell us where you're listening to the game from. Yeah, it's very interactive. Yeah. That's very modern. That's interactive. I, I'm more of the don't tell me what you're doing because I'm actually going to watch the game and probably not stare at Twitter. Well, I did that once, and it clocked up my timeline so much. I lost, like like 100 Twitter followers, and I'm prioritizing my Twitter followers over my actual uh, job. Is that your – Is how many do you have? I have 54,000. That's impressive. You're more than me, and I don't prioritize mine. And I'm not that far back, so you should, I'm like 49. I'm almost 50. Yeah, but like – 50. Can people just follow me? I need 600 people to follow me today. Let's be honest. We pay an exposure box and Twitter followers, so congratulations. How about your other stuff? Instagram. No, no, no. I posted one picture on it. I, 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 I did Instagram so I could follow my kids. That's it. And now that my kids don't do Instagram anymore, they're on a Snapchat. Yeah, not, none of that. No. I, I'm trying to boost my Instagram profile. My kid, ha- I have like 800-something followers, and that's way up because, well, I've done the trick during this spring training of posting pictures on Instagram and then linking them to Twitter. Trying to, trying to get people to follow me on Instagram. Uh, and I'm still like a quarter of what my 16-year-old son has following him on Instagram. Well, it's weird because 20 years ago when you said I wanted to boost my Instagram followers, you almost got fired for that. Uh, but the last question I wanted to ask you was... Um, Hang on, one last thing on that. Yeah. Uh, you're really trying to get this last question out, and clearly I just want to keep going. Is there a problem? Do you lose? Is like too long a bad thing if we keep going? No, I think it's in- if it's interesting. You can't go like... So your point is it's no longer interesting. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we get sort of the Mendoza line of being interesting. No, you know what I was going to say? You know who was way ahead of his time was Dan Duquette. And I, those are words you don't say all the time. But if you remember a long time ago, like I'm talking late 90s, Dan Duquette said once, and he got ridiculed for it, like people should just follow RedSox.com and get their information there. And his point was that you're going to get everything you need off the Internet. And that's where we are now. I mean, that's his point was, You'll be able to follow, because I had followed up and asked him about that, and he was, that's what he said. He said, you're going to be able to follow stuff from the team, from the athlete, directly. So guys like you and I are done. So basically you're saying Dan Duquette invented, invented the industry. He and Al Gore invented the internet. I mean, I knew he was ahead of the curve when, he, when him and his son drafted Daisuke Matsuzaka in the first ever WEI.com Fantasy Baseball League. Which year was that? That was when he was not employed. It was, it was, I had this great idea of a fantasy league of him shilling, Dawback, Merloni, and and it was good because Schilling was sitting next to Duquette during the draft, and he was just wearing him out. Oh, anyway, the last question. Last question. Um, 
Talk radio. Do you like doing it? I mean, this is we talked about doing the broadcast, doing the pregame show, doing the postgame show. Talk radio. The sense I get when it comes to a lot of quote unquote TV guys when it comes to talk radio is that you've been let out of jail. This is this is I get to actually sit down. I'm not on a timer. I get to talk. Yeah, I, I really do enjoy it. And as you know, I've done quite a bit of it over the years on EEI. Uh, the only, you know, the only thing that's changed for me is it's become so NFL and Patriots centric. <clears throat> I'm not an NFL Patriots guy. I love it. I watch it. Uh, I'm a Patriots fan, uh, but I'm not an expert. And at least on uh, the network I do stuff on, which is WEI, uh, it's more often than not. I mean, during the season, in baseball season, you hit those sort of summer days where there's not a lot else going on. Uh, but there's a 90% chance if I'm going in, it's going to be Patriots talk. And if it's off season, that's cool. Uh, in baseball season, as you know, I mean, I'm not on OTAs. I'm not really on top of that because what we do is pretty all-encompassing, staying on top of this team. Uh, so I've done less of it over the last couple of years because the Patriots have, have certainly become the number one priority for most sports radio uh, shows, talk radio shows, and listeners. It's hard to do Red Sox on talk radio during Red Sox season. It is. Yeah, but see, I, I don't think it is because I think that this team always has drama. This team always... You need storylines. There's always storylines. Yeah, but are they talk radio storylines? That's the biggest difference. Like, we can go in... Like, here's the example, Thomas, that we can we can go in today, and I could I could talk forever about Fernando Abad's spot in this team. And and this is the talker, right? This Or Pablo Sandoval. Even Pablo Sandoval. That's not, that's not going to drive the needle today on talk radio. Yeah, and and so maybe you know, but I this is a a conversation for another podcast because I'm going to go way too long on this. But I, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm the demographic where talk radio has gone. You know, and and the shows I tend to listen to when I'm out of town, I realize are not like the shows I listen to when I'm in town. You know, the EEI shows. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention other. Oh, I mean, I, I my, Patrick show to me that's kind of the that's. Whenever I'm out of New England, that's the show I try to find because I just think I think it's entertaining. I think there's a lot of interviews, and I, as a reporter, I'm more drawn to interviews. And, and so what I am doing now, I was never a podcast guy till about two months ago, this off season. Uh, and I will say it was the the Enough About Me podcast uh, by Kirk Minahan uh, with uh, I think it was Chad Finn. That got me there first, and then I listened to you, and now, you know, I've, I've started listening to them in the gym, on the treadmill, stuff like that, and in the car more and more. <clears throat> For an example, last week, whatever it was, we went to Clearwater. It was a two-hour drive early in the morning after we set the clocks ahead. Uh, so I downloaded a couple of Phillies podcasts and all the way up, listen to the Phillies stuff. So I'm, I'm finding myself more drawn towards those kind of conversations like this or your Twin Peaks than I am with these sort of... It's just kind of weird how you just in your Twin Peaks. Your Twin Peaks podcast. That should be a weekly thing. I mean, Twin Peaks should sponsor you. We've talked. We've actually talked about this, and I think it was a. I tried to execute it the best I could. It actually worked out great, and I think that this is sort of the next level of it. And I'd be happy to have Nesson involved, which was. You do remote podcasts. The Barstool guys did it at the Wilbur Theater. I mean, that's sort of the next level. But we did it at Twin Peaks with Joe Kesley and Rick Porcello. It's, it accomplishes what you want, which is guys just sitting around uh, drinking iced tea and eating food. And a few fans, and they're coming up, and that's fine. But this is the next level of, I think, of 
podcast. But you're right. I think the the what you're saying is correct. Congratulations, you are correct because. But my point is, it's all, you brought it. You know, bringing back to your conversation about TV, where ESPN's going, where Comcast is going. I sort of reached my saturation point of guy A screaming at guy B uh, about their different takes. Uh, I, you know, at home it's different because I listen to it because I think you have to because that sets a lot of the agenda for what anybody's talking about on a given day. It's, it tells you what fans are thinking about. Uh, but out of town, when I'm down here, I'm not watching Undisputed. I'm not watching First Take. Uh, I, I'm not listening to uh, an ESPN show where guys are yelling at each other. I'm just not. I, I, outside of the market, I don't find myself listening to it. And because of that, I find myself gravitating to those other things that I wonder if I'll take back to New England with me a little more. Well, here's the reality, and you heard it. You've probably heard this art conversation of the radio guys where they were like, when Kirk's podcast first started, why are you dropping that during our show? They're, people are going to listen to that to it instead of our show. But I, I compare it to when the internet came around for newspapers. Editors didn't want to give the internet for free. Well, tough luck, buddy. I mean, the internet not going anywhere. Podcasts aren't going anywhere. And you, you're going to listen to what you want to listen to. If you don't like what's on the radio, it's not like before, where you're going to list power through all four hours. So I and I think no, that's absolutely right. And and you know, if I, I hope one thing we've accomplished today is if we could just get the next generation to put down USA Today, uh, watch a little baseball, and, and listen to a podcast. I think I think we've made America a better place. That was my goal. After forty some minutes, make America. Forty something minutes. I don't know it flies by when we're just we're just two guys just talking at a baseball park. I thought it was an hour and a half, so that's, <laughs> you, you you didn't understand my point. Yeah. Well, this Tom, Thomas, Tommy, TC. This is where I give the tip. This is where I, I give the tip of the chapeau to you. My my verbal tip of the chapeau. Thanks so much for coming on, and I look forward to taking all your advice and not sucking for your network this year. Isn't this where you're supposed to say guests appearing on the podcast receive dot dot dot? It, it's understood. Your T-shirt will be in that booth. Yeah. Are you one of these people who are, are roll your eyes when my at Bradfo t-shirts? Because I know, listen, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, no, I gotta whatever. I, I'll take a t-shirt. That's the that's the underrated thing. There you go. I'll take a t-shirt. It can say anything I want. Anyway, TC, thanks so much. It was fun, Buford, and uh, good luck with the rest of the podcast going forward. For more Tom Karen, tune into all the Red Sox broadcasts on Nesson throughout spring training, including. The game against the Nationals, April 1st, live from Annapolis at the Naval Academy. Tom will also obviously be on the pregame and postgame shows on the always excellent Red Sox television broadcast throughout the season. And for more Bradfoe Show, subscribe to my iTunes account or just listen to me at plainoldweei.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. 
Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your time. Every search you make Every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified.